Hey, mother. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to another edition of Yippie Kaye Mother Podcast. I'm Ralph Quartrucci. I'm Sean Paul Murphy. I'm Debbie Murphy. I'm Michelle Wojo Wojcikowski. I'm Brad Barrowie. Hey. I'm Nigel Pentwistle. And I'm Drew Gould. <laughs> right. Well, welcome everybody. Hello, Cleveland. <laughs> We're about to Hello, crank Cleveland. this pod- We're about to crank this podcast up to eleven. But before we do that, hello everybody, by the way. Hello, Nigel. Um Hello. Let's talk about what we saw this week or anything you'd like to recommend. So oh. let's start with I'm gonna go around the Robin Nigel. We'll start with Nigel since he's got the beautiful wig on. Uh, All right, well, since since we're doing we're not doing Spinal Tap yet. So, does any has anyone seen the Jack Reacher movie with Tom Cruise? Yes. Or read no. the books? No. Didn't read the books. Saw the okay. Movie. So there's there's a a book series and it's it's great. But Jack Reacher is described as six foot five, two hundred and fifty pounds. So <laughs> so his character part of his thing is he stands out in a crowd, right? So when they casted Tom Cruise, who, by the way, I liked in it, but when you look at the books, it just doesn't fit. Well, uh, they're making a series, a TV series. Really? And I don't know if it's Amazon or Hulu, but the guy that's going to play Jack Reacher, his name's Alan Richardson. He's a big guy, and he really fits the part really well. And Lee Child, the author, is going to be in on it. So I think it's going to be really good. I'm really excited about it. If you haven't read the books, read the books. The books are great. Okay, nice. Uh, Sean and Debbie. Well, we we saw a lot of great programs while we were laid up in COVID land. And um, the one, <laughs> we saw the um, six-part documentary on HBO, um, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, about... Oh, it's so good. Michelle McNamara's, you know, obsession with the uh, Golden State Killer, you know, the wife of um, Pat Oswald. Oh, right. It's a fantastic series. We also saw a great little horror movie called Valerium starring mm. uh, Jesse Eisenberg and um, Amanda Poots, is it? You know, it's um, if you're looking for a house, you know, if you're house hunting, this is definitely the movie to see. Do you recommend it? Is it you recommend oh, yeah. it? Oh, yeah. yeah. I never heard of it. Yeah. It's, it's really scary. creepy. It's, it's really? Scary. What's it called? Yeah. Valerium? Valerium. 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 I've seen it. I, I mean, I've seen about it. I haven't watched it yet. It but like, I guess it didn't, get a, it didn't get a real release because of COVID. So, you know. Well, very few movies are, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's a pity because it, it was a really um, <clears throat> creepy and claustrophobic movie. So we hmm. recommend it. Good. And Echoes from the Canyon about the oh Los Angeles Oh, my God. Music Echoes scenes. from the Canyon. Uh, you have to see it and report next week. It is awesome about the music yeah. and what was happening during the, you know, during the time, which was uh, 1965, 70. And, uh, you know, the Buffalo Springfield, uh, there's one scene that is uh, with Stephen Stills and he's coming off in his, you know, Hey, people now. And then, uh, uh, then what's his name? Uh, Young. Neil, Young. Neil Young. He jumps in just to juxtapositioning this song. Um, Mr. Soul. Oh my gosh. What a beautiful creative. Where, where do we see that? This is on um, Echoes. It's on Netflix. Netflix. What's it called I, again? Echo? Echoes from, the, from canyon. the Canyon. But from this Laurel is a canyon. segment. When you see it, it'll blow your mind. It yeah. will blow your mind how creative 
and it I know I've seen it before, but it just didn't hit me like it did from this, you know, uh, Dylan. Um, was uh, it the COVID that did that to you? Did it make it, did you have a <laughs> different look at it? At that time, how beautiful. Yeah. It Sounds great. Was it a palate was, cleanser for uh, Spitfire Grill? Is that what it was? Yes. <laughs> I will never live it. Yeah, that's your albatross. I have my albatross, now you have yours. He's got the cabbage, so you I think that was one, one of our best podcasts. <laughs> that's yeah. right. The banter was the best by yeah. far. Yeah, I thought it was fun, but anything else, you two? No, that's it. And by the uh, way, I think Valerium was on Prime. I, it could be yeah. Netflix. I, I think it is. I've seen it on. I've seen it for free on Prime. Oh, not it's on Prime. Uh, yeah. Brad and uh, and Wojo. We watched um, all three of the Bill and Ted series. <laughs> oh, oh, I haven't oh. seen the last one. Yeah, we just we watched the yeah. last one. It was we fun. Liked it. I yeah. mean, it, it is what it I is. I mean, those movies are yeah. and they're they're. Did you see it in the theaters? Fun. Huh? Did you see it in the theater or is no, it we streamed it from home? We we paid twenty bucks to watch it at home. I love yeah. the second one. That's the one I like with Death. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, yeah, Death is hilarious. Oh, he's in Death one is too. in the third. Yeah. But he's just in the at the end, right? Towards the no, end. No, he no, he's in there. Oh, he's been more? He was mm-hmm. great. He doesn't get he's not in at the beginning, but from like the second half on he's in. Yeah. yeah. Death usually comes near the end. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That it is was, true. It was point. good. Very was profound. Well, we like a true writer. I'm supposed to interview Ed Solomon. He and Chris Matheson um, wrote and um, came up with the Bill and Ted characters. Oh. Well, one of them, a couple of those guys are in it, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, but you won't recognize them, so you'll have to look on IMDb like we did. Oh, that's yeah. cool. <laughs> I actually so have cool. a serious question about that movie because uh, something in the trailers kind of disturbed me. Keanu Reeves is one of these guys that he's, you know, he's beautiful. He's 50. He's aging like a normal human being. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. All the trailers for the new Bill and Ted, it was the first time I saw his face and it looked like he'd done something Hollywood to it. Like, does he look like Keanu Reeves or does he look like a weird, scared, stiff 45-year-old version? Um, actually, what I think's going on is, first of all, his hair is very long. Okay. Um. And they've dyed it a really dark black. And I think that's what's going on. I don't think he's had face work. Plus, he's no. had a beard for the last 15 years. And, and that's the thing. The he's John had Wick a mustache stuff. and beard. So like in, it looks like, it looks in the like John he, Wick movies. He's not he's in the, the John Wick weight. Wow. He's heavier. Yeah. 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 You can see it in his face. Yeah. It's really jarring seeing that. Yeah. Oh, well, wow. and quite honestly, I mean, he may have Botox. Everyone out there who has a forehead that's not covered by bangs usually winds up getting shots of Botox. I love the fact that Keanu Reeves did that movie. I think that well, is so, so cool much forehead. Oh, my goodness. Because the other I guy forehead there. Five head. Five. Oh, you? Oh, oh yeah. No, bo- think, no I Botox. I think it was more that they, um, Botox free. they were just trying to make him look like an older version of Right, exactly. Yeah. So I think they and were they really didn't bad. want the John Wick comparison. Right. Right? Yeah. So I'm sure that's what they went for. Yeah. Right. But uh, looking, anything, I just don't want to pay 20 bucks for it. That's yep. all. Well, anything else, you two? Um, we watched Sexy Beast, which we hated. Oh, my. Oh my. I okay, that. I was just about to say, great movie. What? We didn't like it. Wow. No. Yeah, we were not involved. No. We'll have to uh, figure I that one out later. I it, but it's a family podcast, so I won't. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to figure out what's wrong. And we had to turn the, like uh, the captions on like within a couple minutes because we couldn't understand yeah, it. Yeah, that's very yeah. Cockney, right? A lot of Cockney. They were yeah. saying. Very um, hard to understand. It's a pretty crazy accent. That's true. Yeah. Then, I, I love that film. What else do we watched? Oh, we watched The Mist. Oh, we, the series or the movie? The, Love mist, the mist. The movie. 
Okay. We hadn't seen the movie. And the ending of that, unfortunately, I guessed it like two minutes before it actually happened. <laughs> and we were like, oh, that's uh, still a good ending. King though. tortured souls. Did you see our friend from uh, Spitfire Grill playing the uh, crazy lady? Yes, right. Yes. Oh, she was excellent. She was, she's good. Yeah, she's good. Crazy. Did you guys see it in color or black? Yeah. You watch and Andre Brower, I thought he was going to have more of a role in it. And I thought they were going to at least show him dead. But, you know. There is a black and white version of that, like Drew was saying. It's pretty cool. Oh, really? Oh, I bet. Oh, but that would be good. Sonnenberg did not do it, yeah. but not they did it. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up to you guys. We've been um, re-watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine, the TV show. Mm-hmm. I've ever seen it, but yeah, and and it's hilarious. We love it. We think it's hilarious. But he, the reason why Andy Samberg's character, um, uh, Jake, got it, became a police officer, was because of watching Die Hard. So as we're <laughs> He's watching, talking about Die Hard. like we're on the third <laughs> season, and we're seeing so much. Like um, uh, when they were, um, they went into the um, uh, at Christmas time the. Um, department store mm-hmm. that was being taken oh, over right. and he decides this is perfect this is like die hard this is my so die hard he's moment. writing down what the names of the guys are going to be in, <laughs> like lars and Han. <laughs> and then he hears the two guys and he says matt come on and he's like why is his name gotta be matt <laughs> when he was disappointed because they weren't german they were canadian yeah. <laughs> I still use there's two quotes i use all the time from die hard and there's simple little things one is when he's under the table and the guy says, if you're going to, you know, don't run thanks out of table, advice, I forget. It. And he says, thanks for the advice, sport. Thanks for the advice. And the other wow. one is when he's wrapping the chair with the C4 and he decides to put more C4 on, he goes, ah, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> I use that all the time when I'm going to go overboard on something like this. Well, you know, if we want to do that one day, I'll try to get Reginald Bill Johnson. Uh, if you oh, can do that, cool. the only way oh, I would do cool. that, even though it's a, ding, the ding, namesake ding. of this podcast, yeah. is if we get somebody on, because everybody's talked about that movie. We what know. Else can we you say what this every add? podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do Jaws. I'm not going to do Casablanca. Well, there you I'm go. Not, I didn't say Casablanca. I don't know that, where that, that came that from, but okay. Get somebody I from would the like movie. to That's forbid perfect. that one, too. But I'll send an email to Bruce Willis. Yeah, do that. He needs work. All right, Drew, anything to suggest? Uh, I actually I want to talk about a couple things. The first thing I'll say is the Mandalorian season two trailer came out today. Aside. Wow. Yeah. Um, I was enjoying the trailer, and at the end, there's a whole Baby Yoda whistling birds yeah. thing, and I was like, I am totally on board for this. I'm very excited. I had low expectations of the first season, and I just loved it. And uh, if anything is going to deliver again, I think it's going to be that show. So I'm really excited about. That. I think it's the best Star Wars thing since the original three. Absolutely. Really? Yeah, I do. All right. Well, we have Disney Plus now. Yeah. So. yeah. You can, the problem is, you can binge all of the Mandalorian right now. But then season on the one, they're going to start doing. Yeah, the first eight episodes, they're going to start streaming the second season, and they're going to do it as they did the first one. They're going to stay one new episode a week, and the yeah. wait is going to kill you yeah. because it's fantastic. Well, that's how it was when we watched Breaking Bad. We didn't watch it when it was actually on until the very end, yep. so, like during a whole summer. Brad and my stepdad and I, we the three of us sat down and we were watching this. I mean, Brad we were and I watching three or four episodes a night. I know. Yeah, yeah. And we would look at one another, it'd be like 1030, you know, and we go to bed like earlier because we get up early and we'd look at each other and we'd say, Ed, what do you think? And he'd say, I'm retired, whatever you guys want. <laughs> and we, we were just watching it, watching it. And then we caught up 
And With then, like six or seven weeks to go or something. Yeah. Then we had to wait a week. And then we had yeah. to wait a week. And it was such a nightmare. It was, yeah, that's tough. Oh my God. They're all going to start doing that. They're all going to start staggering them rather than putting well, them Well, like out. the docu-series, like you were talking about, I the hate Wait that. Till I See You in the Dark. That's six episodes they played every Sunday night. And I'm yeah. watching The Vow on HBO, which is great, except you got to wait once. It's, you right. get used to this just being or able to Or just wait till they're all they're out. I know, but yeah. then I, I just, I can't. Then what? That's the problem. I, I don't have the discipline. Anything else, Drew? Yes, uh, two other things. One, um, speaking of episodes every week, I have been watching Lovecraft Country on how HBO. Is, how is that? Uh, I think it's very good. Uh, it's interesting because I said, you know what, I'm going to read the book while I watch the show, which I don't usually do. And then I read about the book. And originally the book was a TV series pitch that nobody bought. So it became a book that became very <laughs> successful that then got turned into a TV series. <laughs> What's interesting about that is that it's actually conceived, uh, and the way that the book is structured is almost like a like a, a Twilight Zone type of structure, an old-fashioned television show. It's the same group of characters, but you'll focus on somebody, and there are overarching storylines, and it's all clearly building towards you know sort of a big bad villain type of thing. But it, it feels, in a good way, almost old-fashioned because here's the story this week, and this is crazy, and it's going to get resolved, and then the next wow. week the other one. And comparing it with the book has been kind of interesting because the first two chapters of the book um, are basically the first two episodes. They're very good. The first two episodes of the TV show covering those are way better. Mm-hmm. And then episodes three and four, chapters three and four, it's the reverse. The book is way better than the book. And oh, wow. the TV are good. And it's interesting because I know where the book is going, but there's already been changes. There's certain characters that are not alive in the show that survived the book and things like that. And there's a couple of things I'm waiting to see how they do it in the show because it's just spectacular stuff. And um, is that on HBO Max? What is that on? It's on. It's on HBO. It's it's their big Sunday night at nine o'clock show. And uh, it was kind of neat because to me, it's a really. I love watching adaptations, and the the big thing for me personally is how does it feel? Like very rarely would you transcribe the book, like the Maltese Falcon. They basically just typed up the the book, and it's it, it works. It's an excellent film. The Harry Potter, the first two movies are kind of inert because they're very straight takes on it. And then Alfonso goes to the and gets to do something different. And it feels right, but it's better. So I think that that's, um, I think that that's kind of cool. That's then, our dogs. I'm sorry. Hey. The other thing that I listened to was um, an episode of a podcast um, uh, called uh, Yippie Kaye something. It was like just two brothers. They did a podcast. I think it was called Cue It Up with the Q Brothers. Is that what Q it was it called? Up. Might be. It up. I was under the umbrella at the time. I think yeah. you should call it the double Q. But um, <laughs> it's it was really good. And I liked it because I felt like you were having conversations that I was ready to participate in, which normally we could participate in. And I hope that that's the experience that people have. Really it them. was. We were surprised. I really enjoyed it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> brought up a lot of stuff like you mentioned a bunch of movies that I love and things that like you know episodes you like I love Miracle Mile and uh, The Killing and things like that but one of my favorite movies that not enough people have seen it's just a diehard on a movie is Executive Decision <laughs> you guys talked about that movie is a great thriller it has just enough Steven Seagal right <laughs> I do love a, a hero who's basically like a regular guy yeah. in extraordinary circumstances, like, like the original version of Jack Ryan, he's not a superhero. He's right. just really smart. Yeah. Kurt Russell is really smart, but he's not an action figure, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that's a great movie and it's really fun. But the, the reason that really sticks with me 
is because uh, that was in 1996, and I went to the movies with my dad, and I was still in high school, and I was learning to fly, actually. Oh, wow. Kurt Russell's character is a student pilot, and when you get to the end of the movie, he has to, uh, he has to land the plane. And so he's actually getting talked through landing a giant aircraft instead of the little aircraft. But apparently in the theater, I was yelling out what he needed to do. I love that. And also, um, it's funny because that was directed by Stuart Baird. And Stuart Baird has only done um, three movies as a director. He did this one, which I loved. He did um, the, the Fugitive sequel, which is nothing exciting. And U.S. Star- Marshals. I didn't even know that. Oh, U.S. Yeah, Marshals. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And Star Trek Nemesis was not exciting, except it did star Tom Hardy, whose birthday is today. And as you feel about Michael Fassbender, which I also agree with, uh, Tom Hardy makes me feel a certain kind of way, so I get it. Um, <laughs> but it's interesting because you also talked about being an editor, and Stuart Baird's real career has been as an editor. Yeah. And he's cut humongous movies like Superman 2 and Die Hard 2 and all these incredible movies and stuff. And I think... Um, it's just interesting to see where people's careers go. And Executive Decision is one of those underseen diehard on a movie with a great cast. And I don't know, I've just been a Kurt Russell fan forever. So it was fun to yeah. hear other people talking about it in an excited way. We just heard a nice memory in you. Yeah, and I saw it. I actually saw it that, that day or that two, a day oh, before really? that. Yeah. Well, I like that Steven Seagal was uh, uh, on the marquee, was number two on the marquee, yeah. and he's right. gone within 20 minutes. No, it's good. It's good. <laughs> and Kurt Russell's always playing that under, 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 under acting. I like just the like computer this. who wore tennis shoes. That was a classic. Like that yeah. well, I mean, Steven Seagal is great in that movie because the way that it ends, like Kurt Russell's like, we're not going to make it. And Steven Seagal says, you are. That's right. Yeah. And he closes the hatch, That's and then he's list. gone. Gone. Yeah. It's yeah. awesome. Spoiler yeah. alert. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, that's why I do want to do a podcast where we do diehard, diehard knockoffs. So executive decisions, one sudden, any any person stuck in a building or stuck dealing with terrorists, you get tons of those. Under the gal did a bunch of them. Under siege. John Claude Van Damme does a bunch of them. Diehard on the battleship was that under siege? That's under siege. That was under, under siege, siege one. <laughs> under siege two is diehard on a train. Yeah, we should show the Ben Stiller show when he did. Uh, he did a takeoff of Die Hard in a supermarket. Uh, oh, he, yeah, like, right. he was no, five feet away from everybody. Just yeah. doing <laughs> it, was, it was really funny. All right, well, my, I'll give you my mine. Both have about heroes, just like Drew, uh, Drew just said, heroes who come up and uh, regular guys who become heroes. I, I saw Bill and Ted's Face of Music at that Benji's drive-in. All right. Oh, you you. Holy cow. That place is like going back in history, number mm-hmm. one. The screen is huge. The projection's beautiful. And the movie was, for what it is, it's great. For those three movies, they're not, they're not, you wouldn't call them classics, but definitely they hit all the nostalgia in this third movie. They called back a couple of things from two that, um, you know, they kind of changed some of the reasons why things happen. I just thought it was really great. And seeing it at that place was fantastic. And then going back to another recommendation of our old podcast i was watching me al and uh hassan go to that laser disc thing that we went and bought laser discs and then hassan pulls or somebody pulled up one that i bought which was silver streak oh great so my brain is so small that i saw that i go i gotta watch silver streak and that's another kind of north by northwest regular guy getting caught up in a thing and i just love i i watched it last night and man it's such a great great film just like you could tell it was done in the 70s. It was all this crazy. And that was the first Gene Wilder, uh, Richard Pryor pairing, right? Yeah. So and, and, and frankly, um, wow. uh, Richard Pryor doesn't come in until 60 minutes into right. the film. Wow. Um, 
But it's very funny. Some of the just just it just hit me the right way. It was great. Who's in great that? Jill Claiborne is that who's in Jill that? Jill Claiborne was great. I fell in love with. Yeah, him who's the bad too. guy? Uh, Patrick um, McGowan from from Fugitive, the prisoner, the prisoner, the prisoner, that guy. Mm. And Scatman so, Crothers is Scat in. Scatman Crothers is in there. Oh, Scatman Crothers. A lot of those other guys, guys that you see all the time. Oh, uh, Fred Willard has a little part in that. Really, the uh, control guy at the train station. So anyway. <laughs> Both great films. I highly recommend Bill and Ted Face the Music if you like those other two. And Silver yeah. Streak is just great. And Gene Wilder was really, he played it straight. It was great. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't waka waka waka. It was pretty good. And he played a romantic lead <laughs> as well as a, you know, a hero. It's great. Great. All right. Well, that leaves us uh, five minutes to talk about Spinal Tap. So go, go. You're up. Oh. We all liked it. Yeah. <laughs> so Brad, Brad, this is our Spinal Tap Take 3. We finally are, are doing this one. I'm so Brad brought Spinal today. Tap to the table. So why don't you give us a little description and all right. tell us why you brought it. Well, this is one of my all-time favorite movies. I just love this movie. I've seen it so many times. You look but, so funny in this way. Well, after I give my opening, I'm going to take the wig off. Uh, all right. You're not committed, Brad. And take the cucumber out of your pants, too? Yeah. No. Okay. That stays. <laughs> um. So this is about a an aging rock band who is past their prime and currently residing in the where are they now file. Um, that uh, is kind of they've got a new album coming out and it, it's a rockumentary and uh, Marty DeBerge, Rob Reiner is doing a documentary rockumentary on the guys. So it's it's taking place on their their tour around America that is in these smaller and Terrible, you know, terrible places, not terrible places, but just not a whole lot of fans and everything is falling apart. And it's, it's, it's just great. It's just comedy gold, I think. But uh, I don't know. It's just so many, so many one-liners, so many, even the songs I love. I, the songs are just the best. Can't be the Big songs. bottles. <laughs> I mean, I honestly, worked on a sex farm. It's kind of like, I mean, we talk about this with Young Frankenstein. Is there anybody that doesn't like this film? She didn't lot. like it the first time she saw it. Okay, okay. Um, probably, well, that shocks me, Mojo. More than 25 years ago, Brad said, you got to watch this movie. And he put it on and I fell asleep. So <laughs> That happens a lot. Yeah, let's be honest. You say that for a lot of movies. <laughs> but did you know it was a mock? Yeah, did that, you know it was fake when you first watched it? Did you know yeah, it was a it was fake? fake. Okay, yeah, I know it was, yeah, I knew it was fake. And then we, I tried to watch it again and I fell asleep again. So I did eventually watch the movie. And once I watched it and really watched it, I liked it. But when I was like, you know, because sometimes you're just in a weird place. When and you, you were watch exhausted, a movie, you probably thought it was just Exactly. Stupid. I was just like, oh, my God, when's this going to be over? And then I fell asleep. Um, but, yeah, so the first two times I was not, I didn't like the movie. But then I actually saw the whole thing and, and liked it. Really? I haven't watched Fletch though, so no, no. <laughs> missing out. It's a classic. But, Fletch is a um, classic. Um, yeah, I mean, again, this is tough when you everybody loves the film. There's no conflict, but uh, it, so many quotes come out of this film. We did one at the beginning. Everybody does the eleven and the mm-hmm. Cleveland, and this one goes to eleven. You guys were doing a ton of them on uh, uh, when we were messaging about the podcast. Sean, do you have a few quotes you'd like to throw out there? Well, I just love the music. I mean, there's the the movie is eminently quotable, but 
these guys could really play. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of these songs yeah. really worked in the genre too. And mm-hmm. oh yeah, what I'm always thinking about is Big Bottoms. But the line <laughs> is like, um, it's like, my baby fits me like a um, flesh tuxedo. <laughs> I want to sink her with my pink, pink torpedo. Right. I mean, <laughs> I can't think of another song that um, rhymed well. tuxedo and torpedo. <laughs> and, I mean, this is above, you know, love and above and arms and charms. I mean, this is really, this is really good stuff. And, you know, when I saw the song, the music back in the day, I was not a giant fan of that genre of music. Metal. Um, they could really play. They they were really credible. And they wrote their own songs. Boring. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was, you know, I was learning to play the guitar around that time. And um, I certainly couldn't have played it. So I appreciate um, that they could play. What's his name? Uh, McKeon was actually in the left bank, you know, Walk Away Renee, you know, that did that song, you know. Oh, I didn't know he was in that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Hmm. So he could he could already play as he said he couldn't play the guitar at the time then, but um, no. So they were they were very good. I used to listen to the soundtrack at work when I worked for the advertising agency, and I'm glad I don't do this now at some company because I think playing these lyrics at a company would probably be considered actionable now. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Yeah. you know, it's sort of like smell the glove. You know, it's like what's wrong with being sexy. You know, sexist. I love the manager at that point. Now, the manager, the guy who plays the manager, also used to do music for National Lampoon, and he did this funny spoof of um, Sir Ian. Is that what you're talking? Oh no, are you? Yeah. Are you no, no, about? the guy was their manager. Oh, the guy who was their manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, he did this spoof for National Lampoon of John Lennon's, um, Yoko, you know, Plastic Ono band album that was so depressing, called Magic. You know, Magical Misery Tour, where he does a John Lennon, Lennon impersonation where everything in the world is just terrible. I remember that from back in the old days. Well, did you read the IMDb about him? Did you read that he... Yeah. Yeah, he was going to kill himself He's the night before himself. they started yeah. shooting. Yeah. And the shoot what? saved his life. Guy who I know. Talk about... Tony, I think it's Tony something. Drew, were you yeah. going to jump in and say something? I just wanted to make sure that... Sean to never say those lyrics out loud again. Yeah, they are actionable nowadays. Was, yeah, but I mean, just personally, I don't know if it was wonderful or horrible, but I felt a lot, and I needed it to not. He's happen. a he's aggrieved. He's a, he's aggrieved. <laughs> Thank you. What so. what I um when we were reading up on stuff beforehand online, um this originally came about because um you know Christopher Guest and Harry Shearer and Michael McKeon and Rob Reiner were given ten thousand dollars to write a script, write whatever you want. So they did a 20 minute version of this. And I don't know exactly what parts, because they don't tell you um, what parts of that, but original parts of the original 20 minute thing that they shot ended up in the movie. Mm. And, um, but it's what I found funny is so many rock stars who saw this loved it because they said, that's exactly what it's, it's real. That is exactly what it's like. It is so bizarre. This life on the road and kiss swore. Well, Gene Simmons always swears that everything's about kiss, <laughs> but, but they said that the scene where they couldn't find their way to the right floor, the below yeah. Cleveland scene was based. They swore it was based on um, a kiss story because that actually happened to that. Yeah. 
they couldn't find their way. The stage was on a different floor. Than yes. they, were on. <laughs> they were going up and down. Yeah, I read that some people, some rock stars didn't even want to watch it because it was right. so real. They yeah. hated yeah. it because we it haven't was even so hold close. On. What are we doing? We haven't shown the trailer yet. What? Oh, oh my God. God. What am I doing? Oh, my God. Hello, Hello Cleveland. What's going on? Can we <laughs> fix that? Can we fix Hi, that? I'm Ralph Quattrucci. <laughs> no, we're landing right now. Let's start we, and I'm Tron Quattrucci. We could mention a subscribe here maybe while I'm setting up. Why don't you mention a subscribe and we'll uh, see how uh, this goes. Yeah, as always, we appreciate you guys subscribing, hitting the notification button, and please share it. And we seem to be building a little bit of an audience. We're so building. I guess it looks like you guys are liking what we're doing. We want to do more, and it really does help uh, expand our presence. So please do that. Or they're just waiting to see what happens to see the crash to see when we well, all melt down. You know, you drive Wait, we've already accident, you always stop and look. Always, we've, we've already hit rock bottom. I don't understand. We can't go any further. Than that. Very delicate. It's a, it's a bit of a departure from the kind of thing you normally play. What do you call this? Well, this piece is called uh, "Lick My Love Pump." This is the loudest. Rock and roll. Most explosive band in heavy metal history. This is Spinal Tap. It's such a fine line between stupid and, and clever. The funniest movie ever made about rock and roll. He choked on vomit. Well, I can't prove whose vomit it was. The monumental classic. There was a Stone Age monument on the stage that was in danger of being crushed by a dwarf. The makeup of your audience seems to be young boys. Oh, it's a sexual thing, really. We've got, you know, armadillos in our trousers. I mean, it's really quite frightening. No, don't have I was it. just pointing at it. I... Well, don't point. I'm sure I'd feel much worse if I weren't under such heavy sedation. The cult phenomenon. The numbers all go to 11. Does that mean it's louder? Is it any louder? Well, it's one louder, isn't it? Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder. These go to 11. This is Spinal Tap. I hadn't seen that trailer. I'm used to the... Yeah, uh, that's a, that must be for a DVD collection or something. Um, now, this was not the first rock uh, mockumentary about rock. Do you guys remember the Ruddles? The, yes, yeah. I was just watching the Ruddles last night. Was well, that... was uh, the Ruddles. Just this telling us about that. I think it was before this, wasn't it? Oh, put it on the wig. No, I don't know. Was telling us about it. Yeah, yeah it was in the um, late. I, it was for Saturday Night Live originally. Well, Eric Idle's in there. Was that not Monty Python? Or was just Eric Idle part of it? It was Eric Idle. George Harrison's in it. Okay. You know. Anyway, so, so Rob Reiner. This was his. Was this his first directorial? Yeah. Debut. Yeah. He was supposed to be in the band. Yeah, right. he was. But they I said can't spandex, imagine. They said he didn't look good spandex. Yeah. <laughs> well, this was based on a sketch that they did. Rob Reiner had some kind of midnight show, uh, like a sketch show, and this was a sketch in that show. Oh, wow. That's okay. what led to the 10000 bucks to do the movie. Okay. That's how it originated. Mm-hmm. So he was part of the band then. Yeah, and you think what about all the like? people that are in, this, in the film, all the, all the cameos. Oh, tons of cameos. Oh. Yeah. We missed, we were, we were, F, we, every time we've watched this movie, we forget where, who Angelica Houston played until we went back. Cause you just miss it. I couldn't believe that was her. Ralph told me that was her. And I go, I said, I even said to Rose, I go, gee, that looks like Angelica Houston, but that's not her. <laughs> I'm like, and then Ralph said that was her. I go, are you sure about that? And I looked it up. I go, wow. 
And Dana Carvey, Billy Crystal. He plays the woman who makes the 18-inch stone. Yeah. Yeah. She, made it to, she made it based on the napkin. Right. 18 inches. This is, this is what I was given. And uh, Dana Carvey's in there playing the mime. Billy you know, Crystal. he doesn't get a credit? No, my favorite line in the whole movie is Who doesn't is get a credit? Dana Carvey. He didn't? Well, that was his pre-SNL days. That was pre-SNL. Oh, that was way early. Yeah. Billy Crystal... My favorite line is from Billy Crystal when he says, mime is money. Mime is money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mime, 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 mime is money. Mime, mime is money. Mime is money. <laughs> Fran Drescher. And, hmm. My favorite back? is um, Fred Willard, because I le- later oh. ended up working with Fred Willard. Ring the bell. Oh, oh, God. Wait a minute. Camera three. Michelle oh. interviewed Fred Willard. I interviewed oh, you can him. See, you can see all my clothes. Oh, wow. <laughs> here's, here's the, ring it again. What? Another ring? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the thing about Fred Willard. You know, I've done a lot of movies, but he's the only actor I've ever done this. So we, you know, he was a typical big name actor. You get in a movie, you film him in one, you're like five scenes in one day and then mm-hmm. scatter him throughout the movie. Does he actually appear like he appeared in it? Like he was in there for the whole time. Mm-hmm. So the big day he, he arrived on the set and I went to Los Angeles cause I wanted to meet him. You know, I said, when are we shooting the big stars? And I went out for those days. And, um, <laughs> No, I mean, it was like no nonsense when he arrived because um, he was the highest paid actor in the movie. And so we bring him on and, um, you know, it's like the walkie-talkie. Mr. Willard's here. Mr. Willard, Mr. Willard's walking down the hallway. Mr. Willard's in makeup. You know, this, this, this. And um, finally he comes out of makeup <laughs> into the um, set of the first scene. And he still has the, um, you know, the paper around yeah. your collar uh-huh. and everything. <laughs> and before they could start, he goes, he just looks around and goes, are the writers here? Are the writers here? <laughs> and me and my partner were like in the next room sitting on some stairs where we could see what was going on. And they we're like, oh, my God, what's going to go on? So we, and we go, yeah, we're here. And we go, we walk in. And he goes, I just wanted to thank you. I think this is a great script. You know? Wow. <laughs> he goes, it's very funny. And they're like, oh, great. And the thing is, his role was funny. You know, uh, I don't. Uh, Sean, what movie was Fred Willard the highest paid actor in the film? Um, Holy Man Undercover. Okay. We also had John. We also had um, Clint Howard, who was hilarious. Does he get a ring? I guess he does. Yeah, he's hilarious. uh, (laughs) He is John Schneider, who was also very funny too. You know, from Dukes of Hazzard. Yep. And Edie McClurg was in it. He plays. Oh God! How many? I mean, come on. Pencil in the hair from Fred Willard. There are pictures of you with wife. There are pictures of you with Fred Willard on the website, right? Yes, there are yes, pictures. A couple of, of those. Me. Anybody wants to see those? Yippee Kaye yeah. Motherfuck. No, but I'll tell you, of all the times, you know, he's the only actor who ever called out the writers on the set to say he liked the script. That's nice. And what a what a great guy and very kind of a gentle soul. We were both actually hoping that um, he would ad lib, you know, because he's famous as an ad libber, but he. Mm-hmm. Basically played it very straight. He also did a little funny behind the scenes for us talking about the movie and all. But uh, you know, it was it was one of my best um, moments on any of the sets I've been on. You know, and they, you know to hear, say here's him saying it was funny from someone like um, Fred Willard was indeed praise from Caesar, as we would say. So mm-hmm. um, he's a great guy, and I know you had a chance to um, run across him as well. Whoa, Joe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I interviewed him. He was he was just he was very kind. And his wife was alive at the time and he told me um that he and his wife would still invite people over 
to do skits and to do improv and to do like once a week, they tried to have people over just all different groups of people because they were really still into the creation of stuff. And, uh, and I thought that was really cool. This movie must've been 90% improv, right? It was a lot of it was improv. improv. It wasn't a script. Which is hilarious. So they spent two months developing backstories for everybody. So like Mm -hmm. when he interviews them, that first scene when they're in front of the mansion and they're all sitting Mm -hmm. there, they had no idea what questions he was going to ask. Because (laughs) you can see during the movie, sometimes somebody says something and someone else reacts to it, (laughs) almost like laughing. Uh Because they didn't know it was coming, but they knew their own backstory. (laughs) So whatever they got asked, they could answer. I thought that was the most amazing thing about the movie to me. That's smart. It was all improv. And it was, again, you could tell, you know, even that lick my love pump, you know, (laughs) that wasn't in the script. (laughs) Right before he said it, it was just perfect. It was just perfect. I would love to see outtakes on that. Could you imagine? They had to be falling over when he plays this classical, beautiful piece. And he's like, well, that's great. What's that called? And he's like, oh, that's uh, that's Lick My Love. Part part of a musical trilogy I'm doing in D. (laughs) It's It's sad. It's really lovely. (laughs) It's amazing. I mean, and when I rewatched it, I didn't realize how many times. First of all, all the drummers that blow up. There's that a one drummers. <laughs> and then and the keyboardist they showed Junior. a lot that right. keyboardist is in a lot of the movie but right. like who's that guy who's that, that was my uh, one <laughs> of the drummers uh, choked on his own vomit that was the line uh, the police were there but you, you can't dust for vomit <laughs> <laughs> that's a great line it was his vomit and I like the one the police thought this was a a crime better left unsolved <laughs> yes <laughs> You know, so, but I'll tell you, the comedy aside, what really makes this film work is that you, and this is true of most of the Christopher Guest films, is that you really care about the characters after a while. Mm-hmm. You know, they're oh, like, I love, I love all those Christopher Guest. Well, and it had these guys in it. You yeah. know, waiting for Guffman. Right. Best in the show. mighty win, best in show. Well, we just uh, listened to a podcast with uh, Michael McKeon. Michael McKeon and, uh, it was fascinating because he uh, knew Christopher Guest in high school and they came up wow. with characters uh, prior to filming Spinal Tap. So this is something their ideas were preformed way back when, you know, and, and it is uh, funny to see how, um, you know, reminiscent of the English uh, invasion was, you know, and how everybody was like, my sister-in-law you know, she had to go to England and get an uh, English husband. You know, it was like very posh <laughs> to do something like that, you know. And then to see, uh, you know, they really carried. I-, I had not seen this film until we watched it. Oh, and I wow. saw bits and pieces of it like you, Wojo. Mm-hmm. And like you, I would fall asleep or think, oh, yeah, I get the joke. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. But then, uh, you know, I want to, after like... Uh, a while, yeah, I wanted now to see something else because that was, you know, seemed mm-hmm. to me that's what was going to be played through the whole, you know, 60 minutes or whatever, how long that movie was. Mm-hmm. Um, but to really sit down and watch it, to appreciate it, and uh, to, to get what was going on uh, at the time, you know, the sexual uh, similarities between, you know, 
got androgyny and that was the big that is like the beginning and you see their faces and they're going you know yeah all the glitter and how they they all the girlfriend looks just like uh (laughs) christopher guests you know i mean it's just like they were competing it was like the yoko ono Uh um, john lennon sort Mm. of you know, uh, who dressed like an Australian's um, yeah, nightmare. And they both, they all would like give each other these looks of uh, what's going on here. You know, she's not really looking like you, you know, like yeah. himself. And I thought it was very, very interesting to see the beginning of all the, um, you know, the androgyny falling in love with yourself, but, you know, maybe being um, gay. This is Debbie's first mustache too. <laughs> <laughs> There are right that means. The bass player, the girl was giggling, and he turns to the other people and goes, This is her first mustache. <laughs> now, there, was it, is it? I don't get it. Were they in a lawsuit to get money from this movie? Were they, is that, am I reading that wrong, or was that the no, other? Yeah, Harry Shearer. They're trying to get, yeah, they didn't get as much money as they should have because the producers, but they, Harry Shearer said this happens every movie that you ever go into. It's not like uh, they were just stupid. No, it's um, funny. I was just watch, I was watching something, a podcast with Bill Burr and um, uh, McGruber. Who stars oh, in McGruber? Yeah. What's Will his name? Forte. Will Forte. And Will, they, he's talking about the movie, and he goes, yeah, yeah. I made $12,000 yeah. for this movie. And yeah. it sounded like oh, he wow. wasn't joking. Yeah. It didn't sound like a joke. He was like, you know, I put all my money in, and what I got out of it was twelve grand. He's having wow. the last laugh because they're making a series. That's a great film. Yeah. That's another classic. That's a stupid maybe. movie. That I know it's very stupid. <laughs> That's what I like um, about it. Everybody's did, wig. What is this? Did, yeah, the wigs are all. Oh, you know what? These guys are so. It got too hot. I can't deal with it. Did uh, Roger Ebert review this one? Oh, funny you asked. Okay, I just happen to have the review here. I'm not going to start at the beginning. Please don't. He, um, he like recounts a story. You know, one of the scenes. But I'll just go to what he some starts to sum it up. This is Final Tap, one of the funniest movies ever made, is about a lot of things. But one one of them is the way the real story is not the questions, is not in the questions or the answers, but at the edge of the frame. There are two stories told in the film. The story of what a rock band Spinal Tap thinks, hopes and believes and fears is happening, and the story of, of what is actually happening. The reason we feel such affection for its members is because they are so touching in their innocence and optimism. Intoxicated by the sheer fun of being rock stars, they perform long after their sell-by date to smaller and smaller audiences for less and less money, still seeking the roar of the crowd, which I think is a very a very good way of looking at this. Yeah, their obliviousness to their failures yeah. was what was charming, right? Everywhere mm-hmm. they went, they were, they were told, you know. <laughs> At the but party where Fran Drescher's first show might have been billed higher than them, but they did have a bigger dressing room than the puppets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody that met them, even Fran Drescher was all into it. And then she figures out pretty quickly that these guys are, you know, uh, yeah. fun, fun. Drew, Drew, anything. I, I, I can't wait to hear your take. Um, I like this movie more than Young Frankenstein. Let me lay that. <laughs> this is one of those movies. I win. <laughs> you haven't heard it yet. In, the middle, in middle school, you start watching. You started watching these comedies, and so some people were watching movies that I I think are funny, like Caddyshack and Animal House. And some people, like me and my friends, we were watching This Is Spinal Tap, and we were watching Monty Python. 
Mm-hmm. So what that means is that I've watched all of those things a thousand times. Right. And I think they're really funny. And so mm-hmm. I don't think This is Spinal Tap is as funny now because I've seen all the jokes a hundred times. That doesn't, right. mean mm-hmm. it doesn't mean it shouldn't be in the Criterion Collection. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that if you see it for the first time that a lot of people won't really enjoy it. But what mm-hmm. I realized as I was thinking about it, you know, it wasn't the first mockumentary. We talked about the the Ruddles and some of that stuff. And, you know, I mean, the War of the Worlds that Orson Welles did on the radio, you know, people believed the aliens were coming, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but I realized it, it did sort of, it, it created this genre of movies, these fake documentaries, seriously or for comedy, that I actually love so many of them. <laughs> and that there are a whole, there are a whole t- like The Office doesn't exist without exactly. Final Tap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are movies that I like I want people to see. There's another movie, it's also in the Criterion collection called Man Bites Dog. It's a very, oh. very dark comedy from Belgium. That's a serial killer where they uh, yeah, it's, follow it's a serial killer? Right. Basically a couple of guys with a camera and a, and a microphone follow a serial killer around as he kills people. And it is <laughs> and it is really funny and it is really crazy. And the joke there is that the um the sound guy keeps getting killed instead of the drummer. <laughs> but they even do things that are very clever. Like there's a, a scene, because you're basically watching a guy commit crimes and then try to get away with it. So like the, the sound guy and the camera guy get separated. So you're watching something, but the audio is from some other place. And it's, all, it's just very clever. And I realized that, um, like, I love that movie. I love um, Forgotten Silver. I don't know if you guys know that one. That was a Peter Jackson movie about a lost New Zealand director that nobody had ever heard of. And the reason that nobody had ever heard of him was because Peter Jackson made him up. <laughs> that was in the, I think, 95, 96, um, before Lord of the Rings and stuff. And then also you have, um, you know, all these movies that, uh, like horror movies, like Wreck and all these different things that are, are they don't exist without This Is Spinal Tap. And one of, I'm just going to promote this movie because I don't even know how to watch it at this point. It, it's a, It's a really... It's a really sad story. There was this guy named Russ Hexter. And in 1996, he made his first movie. It's called Dade Town. And it's about a town in rural New York that's like a manufacturing town. And this um, computer company moves in and starts to change the town. And what's going to happen? And here's the city, sophisticated people and the country people. And it's really, it's quite moving. And it's frankly still relevant today. And then at the end, the credits roll. It's not real. It's oh. it, 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 not, they're not like doing it to mess with you they're doing it because that's how real it is and that's the kind of thing where it, none of it's improv it feels natural it feels real and i'm sure there are plenty of comedy screenwriters who get tired of being asked in interviews well how much of this was improv and they're like i actually sat and wrote this really it worked really hard to write the jokes all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff and dade town um the guy russ hexter he died right around the same time that jonathan larson died uh behind rent and Rent became, you know, of course, this humongous phenomenon, and Dade Town disappeared. I don't even think it's available on video. I saw it at a screening in Philadelphia before it came wow. out. I don't even know if it came out. But I realized, thinking about that movie, like, I remember that movie because the, the format says this is real. And even though you know it's a movie, you believe that it's real. And so that's why, for me, this is Spinal Tap worked, because the people are ridiculous. And then you see the reactions of the real musicians. Like, I think I saw a clip... Slash said, yeah, I watched that movie and it, it kind of messed me up and I had a really bad show <laughs> because it was so real and it really bothered me and that kind of stuff. And that that's and this is the part that you guys aren't going to like. I don't really like the other Christopher Guest movies. I don't okay. think bad. I think that they're the same joke over and over and over again. And my laugh is always, huh, 
But it's not. It's not <laughs> but it's good. <laughs> over and over. And the people in it are so good, and the cast is so good, and I just feel like I, I saw this already. I don't want to see it again. But this is Spinal Tap. I mean, if you haven't seen it, it's definitely worth watching. And the last thing I'll say about this, as far as the genre, one of my favorite fake documentary movies, which is the reason it's so good is because instead of the actors essentially ambushing each other with uh, improvised based on what I give you in this scene, they actually ambushed real people. And that's the Borat movie, mm-hmm. which of course he can't make anymore because he's Borat. And the reason I love that movie is not only because it's filthy and hysterical, but I also thought it had some interesting things to say about anti-Semitism. So I took my um, 14-year-old uh, middle school students, uh, Hebrew school students, to see it with their parents' permission. And that uh, mortifies my wife to this day. But <laughs> I, uh, I think it's such it's just such a powerful format. And if somebody says, I'm going to make a... I'm going to make a, an action movie. I'm going to make a horror movie. That means a lot of things. But if you say I'm going to make um, a, a, a mockumentary, seriously, or a comedy, that, that gives you certain expectations that I'm already like, I'm, I'm interested. Because it just it feels so real. Mm-hmm. So this is way better than Young Frankenstein, in case you Okay. Wondering. Well, that, you don't have to go there. But, uh, and, and this is the... <laughs> This is the uh, this is the OG. Is, I mean, this is the one that's looked back as the OG of mockumentaries, even though there were right. some others that were out before this. And it made all these guys, like Rob Reiner. I, my favorite scene is that scene he does right at the beginning where he explains the – he's given the explanation of the movie we're about to see. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was a brilliant, brilliant scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, anything? Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, Borat, the problem I have with him is when he does uh, real people, he, he can be cruel. And I don't like that. I don't want to see real people getting, you know, treated mm-hmm. that way. That's why I like this. They're, they, they were very, uh, the way they portrayed themselves, pathetic's not the right word, but it kind, it kind of was a little pathetic. But they came to the realization that they were a little pathetic. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, their, their saving grace was they're a big hit in Japan. I really With like number that. five on the charts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and they had redemption. And that scene where Christopher Guest is off the side, and Michael McKean calls him on. I mean, that was, you know, even though I know it's fake, it really came like real people. And that's what I love about what I love about the Christopher Guest movies. First of all, they're all playing someone completely different in each film, like completely different characters, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, not, it's not as improvised as this is, but Christopher Guest movie, they develop a background story. And all the improvisation is based on what they already know about their characters. I absolutely love that because I think you've got to be brilliant and fast to do that. And that cast that they put in there is always brilliant. But this is what got that started. And Drew, you're right. The office wouldn't exist without this. Yeah. Uh, Parks and Recreation wouldn't exist without this. Mm -hmm. And the fact is they never winked at the camera either. Right? Mm -hmm. They didn't. This was, they were real characters, funny, over the top, but, but, they didn't take this, the mockumentary is a joke. They took this as a very serious thing, mm-hmm. even though it was funny. And it's not hilariously funny, but there was like, you know, even the line when Boston gets canceled and he says, well, Boston isn't a college town. Anymore. <laughs> I mean, just throwaway lines like that are just so funny. And the way they play it, I just, I love this movie because of that. I mean, I'm not a metal guy. So the music, I laughed at the, in fact, the scene that I laughed the most at, I just think is hilarious is when Harry Shearer can't get out of that heart Oh, thing. yeah. The, the whole song. And then it and then opens the end, and everyone else is closed. Right. And he has- then he's got his arm stuck in there at the end. Well, I just thought that was freaking hilarious. Uh, 
So I, and, and I hadn't seen this movie in a long time, but the, the, the commentary that I watched is the three Spinal Tap guys in character the entire time. <laughs> so they never break character, and Rob Reiner isn't in it. That was hilarious. That's funny. Because they're picking up stuff that I'm not even looking at behind the scenes, mm-hmm. you know, way in the background. That was really funny. So, so again, from an improv standpoint, mm-hmm. I just I love all the Christopher Guest movies. Not all of them. Uh, but this is the one for me that got it all rolling. And, well, and this this and, also led to the one of the best seasons of Saturday Night Live when Billy Crystal, Christopher Guest, and Harry yeah. Shearer yeah. all on together. When they when Billy Crystal and um Christopher Guest had those two characters. Yeah. Did you ever uh you know stick a nail up your nose? Yeah, I hate like, when that happens. <laughs> I hate when that happens. But my a favorite, box of thumbtacks. Oh, that's smart. <laughs> but my favorite one was he said, Did you ever take any go a six inch copy of the Statue of Liberty? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where the hell did that come from? <laughs> yeah. But you got to be so, like Robin Williams, you know, it's like you, you got to be so fast and so quick. Well, those guys are all that. from. Uh... From an improv background, right? well, yeah, CG absolutely, guys, and all that, yeah. But, 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 Brad, there's a lot of people from. Oh improv, yeah, you know what I well, mean. Well, and this wouldn't have worked if they were not good musicians either. They all well, played yeah. right. stuff. Yeah, they yeah, all wrote right. the songs. Yeah. It was it was all based in reality, and they just that's the whole the whole thing with improv. I think is you base it in reality and just riff off that, right? right. Tell me, tell yeah. me, actors out there, I have no idea, right. but yes, Ralph, you are correct. Thank you very much. <laughs> wow. Wait, I didn't get a, I don't get a bell for that. I thought we talked oh, about that. All right. Camera two. Bell to you. you. Here's and, a, uh, a little Paul fun Schaefer, fact. Kick me in the ass. Kick me in the ass. Oh, uh, he was <laughs> Pluff. What was his name? Pluffin or Pluff? Oh, Pup. Hardy Puffkin. 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 Yeah, he was great. Yeah. All of them. Billy, I'm telling you, that there's all those cameos that come through there that just. And Angelica Houston, who you know I have a little thing for too. Yeah. But Bruno Kirby. Bruno, oh, yeah. put up the window. Yeah. <laughs> great. So a lot of great stuff. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to say? Like, um, Well, know. here's a fun fact. Um, what's the name of the guy, the Dire Straits guy? Mark Knopfler? Yes. Okay. So um, uh, Rob Reiner, and I have read this when we did The Princess Bride, Rob Reiner wanted him to do the music, the score for The Princess Bride. And he said, the only way I'll do it is if you have that hat that you wore in Spinal Tap somewhere in the movie. And it wasn't the exact hat, but they put it in Fred Savage's bedroom in Princess Bride. And afterward, when he was told about it, Knopfler was like, I was just joking around. I really (laughs) was going to do it anyway, but... That, I don't know. Was it a I, hit I like when to it came... watch little things like that in, in movies, you know? Was Spinal Tap a hit when it came out? I don't remember. Okay, I don't when did it, it come out? 80, 84. 84. Yeah, I don't no, I didn't actually see it that early. I, I don't I think it was a big college. hit. No. Well, here's the thing. I, I saw it at the college. Charles. In Baltimore, I saw it at the Charles, which is sort of like the art house. You know, I didn't see it at the Golden Ring or the Timonium. I don't remember being in a big theater. Yeah. Ralph, did you see it in the theater? I don't remember, yeah, honestly. I saw it in the theater. Um, but it's one of those movies. It's like Monty Python, like like Drew was saying. You, you know, people who watch that and obsess with it and repeat it over and over and over. This is one of those movies that when it came out, all those lines, Hello, Cleveland, 11. The 11 is still everybody. Well, that 11 is, is in our is, is a yeah. zeitgeist. Yeah, right? everybody's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like so, the T-shirt. Yeah. This thing goes to 11. <laughs> 
that's got to be a great feeling to know that that you know is your leg. That's a legacy. That's an amazing. Yeah, thing but they even said happen. we, you know, we had no idea when we were making it that it would be. Everybody says that, I suppose. Of course, but they had no idea it would be this long. I mean, they still tour. In fact, they did. They did a reunion show in L.A. and it was after the Mighty Wind. So they played the Folksman. If you've seen that movie. Oh, I yeah. saw they this. The and the Folksman opened for Spinal Tap. Yeah. And they got and booed off the stage. Oh, God. I, no, I didn't realize they were the same guys. That's, That's right. Funny. They didn't know it was them. Yeah. And hated, what the hell are these guys playing folk music for <laughs> at, at a heavy metal thing? And they were laughing about oh, it. Oh, they, they must have loved that. Funny. That had to have been oh, the yeah. best. Oh, yeah. Now, now, you all who like the Christopher Guest movies, did you like A Mighty Wind? I loved The Mighty Wind. See, yes. we didn't like that yes. one as much. Because I love the music. We have to watch it again. I think the music is great. I'm a little withdrew on this one. Those all have the same feel. I mean, I love the one about the dog show, that one. They're, but they're that's not the show. show. I know they're not. I know they're, they're all not. Improv, but, but you know but... exactly what you're getting into. You, you know, okay, it's like watching. Well, yeah, I'm like, like a diehard. It's like going to improv here. It's like going to an improv show every other week. You're going to yeah, see the like same people. Yeah, it's like Bill and Ted. I mean, every movie's so completely different. You don't know what you're getting from. I don't know. That seems a little. I can't have it. I can't not like. What? You got to attack my stuff because. I'm not attacking it. A little bit. I felt a little grief. I felt a little attacked there. It's like watching Saturday Night Live. Not going to attack it. I'm going to go watch him again. Ralph, Ralph, I apologize. I I'm sorry if I came across as attacking you. I certainly didn't mean it because wow. I think you do a fantastic job. Oh, and you that's don't worse. Deserve what oh you're doing God. now is worse. You did this on that Q Brothers thing, and he was like, "This is that's a that's a different persona." Worse. This is horrible. Can I say something? Can I say something seriously about yeah. comedy? Uh, you're gonna say something okay. serious about comedy? <laughs> comedy. Sorry, I'm serious yeah, about, about comedy. Comedy, comedy hurts. It's not, it's funny, it's from the hurt of a person. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the great comics, uh, Charlie Chaplin, you know, these guys that do the old slapstick, you know, fall down and hurt yourself, it's basically hurtful things. And pretty much Christopher Guest and the like of that, even Borat, are grouped up into a bunch of people that show their stupidity. And that's kind of funny to people. You know, when you think about it, yeah. I always think stupid people are very funny. That's why she married me. Well, no. <laughs> I don't think we can get a better quote for the end of the show. <laughs> wow. Wait a minute. Are you saying, are you saying they're, they're, the co comedians are stupid or the people they're dealing with are stupid? No, no. No, no, so no. The comedians, comedians are so smart. Oh. That they devise uh, a, like a stu like Jerry Lewis, you know. Look it's at the uh, three stages. I mean, those guys are brilliant, but yes, it's, right. it's hurtful things that happen right. to a person, and that's how we get through life. You know, that's how we can get through life is to laugh at ourselves when we make stupid decisions or stupid choices or whatever. And that the real, the funnier, the better. The hurt, more hurt you go through in your life, the funnier you're going to laugh. Oh. Boy, I must be I'm going to say one thing too. In front of, if about Christopher Guest films, I love the dog show, uh, oh Best God. in Show. Best in I think that was the best comedy of that decade. Yeah. Basically, I think the shows are funnier. I don't, I'm not fond of all of them equally because it depends how cruel they are to the lead characters. You know, it's like if they're cruel to them, then it's not as funny. Like the last one about the actors. Yeah, I didn't uh, think they deserved your consideration for Guffman. No, no, for your consideration. For right? your consideration. Oh, okay. oh, we didn't see. I didn't that. think they deserved the um, the scorn they were getting. You know, that the dog show one was special to me because 
I was cutting dog agility shows for um, <laughs> Animal Planet. Because of so course like, you were. <laughs> it's like literally every person, uh, every character in there was like it's based real. on someone I was working with. Well, that was Fred <laughs> Willard's. That was Fred Willard's best role. Was that one? Oh my I mean, god! He was yes. hilarious. The sports yeah, he was in there. He was hilarious in that. I learned a little. I learned a little bit of trivia that uh, I had. I don't know why I didn't know this. Maybe you guys already know this, but you know, one of the ways I keep track of all the movies that I've watched is to rate them on IMDb, and then I can forget that I watched them. <laughs> <laughs> I have to remember, I can go look and say, "Oh, I did see that 2017." <laughs> I keep a nerd journal for the books I read because I can't. I can't. Yeah, you, you can't remember anything. Yeah. Many <laughs> This is Spinal Tap is the only movie on IMDb that is rated on a scale of 1 to 11. <laughs> yeah, I, I did see that. Yeah. Really, I mean, that's yeah, really yeah, yeah. funny. I didn't know that till I went on. Yeah, I just learned that. I just, yeah. I also want to say one other thing. The new... Um, wait, wait, wait. Drew wants to say something. Go ahead. Go ahead. I want to say one other thing. You know, I... I watched this when I was uh, when I was a kid, and so when I thought of movies, a movie is Star Wars, is Raiders of the Lost Ark, is a Disney cartoon, that kind of stuff. So this was a, a, a different thing, and it, it actually was kind of a gateway drug to documentaries for me, also because mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. just a different way to watch a movie. Mm-hmm. And what I thought was kind of neat is that I've then therefore spent decades loving documentaries, watching different documentaries, and one of the funniest shows I've ever seen, they've had three seasons so far, is Documentary Now which is by Seth Meyers and Bill Hader and Fred Armisen. God, yeah. It's a fake documentary show hosted by Helen Mirren, who plays herself. And every episode is a, a fake documentary that's based on a real documentary. So if oh, you have gosh. a documentary, it's a funny show. But it if is. you have seen the documentary, these guys clearly love <laughs> these documentaries. And they're just very famous, like Grey Gardens, all this different kind of stuff. And it is an absolute riot, like really hysterical. And again... It doesn't exist without movies like Spinal Tap. Right. Even yeah. Android 11. Goes to 11? Goes to 11. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I mean. It's everywhere. Look at that, right? Right? It's crazy. So, you know, I, all right, this, how are we going to rate this? One than 10. Brad has one thing I to just say. Want to say oh, one other thing. Yeah, Brad, Brad, so it's I, your movie. So what? you were all saying, well, I wasn't into that music in the, in the 80s. I happened to be into a lot of the heavy metal and and like the hair band stuff back then. Big time and, the hair bands. But that's one of the reasons I love this movie so much because I saw, even though I love that music, I saw the absurdity of it and <laughs> I just thought they were everything. I mean, I, I thought the guys were kind of absurd in those bands. They, but I, I love, I just got into the music. I like the sound of the music. But um, I, I don't know. I just, that was just one of the things that really struck me about that movie at the beginning and how absurd it was. Like he was having the scene where he's he's arguing about the food. He's like, I've been sitting here for an hour trying to figure out how to put this. Doesn't work. It's on the bread. It's, <laughs> Fold it. Isn't it going to work? Well, you know, and I can see that kind of absurdity <laughs> happening because those guys were not always the brightest, but they were. Just, well, the charm is they're oblivious to their own. Yes, exactly. That's well, was great. And exactly. That's, I mean, and that I was supposed you, to be a takeoff on. Van Halen was the first one to come out with. They had in their contract no, no brown M and M's. Right. I'm sure you looked up probably is, all kinds of crazy rioters and people. So. But yeah, well, and the reason that some of them have, I mean, some of them are just crazy. Okay. I've read about certain singers and what they have and it's just nuts. Um, but sometimes they put weird stuff in there to make sure that the event people have actually read the contract mm. because yeah. Yeah, not because they're divas. Yeah. They, they, they want to feel special. 
(laughs) So I had, I was doing a training for a company and they said, what are your requirements for the meeting? So I said, I need a projector. I need this. I need that. I also need a bowl of red M&Ms, not any other color, but red (laughs) thinking that, you know, I was making a joke. Everything. I show up to the meeting. There's a projector. There's a bowl of red (laughs) M&Ms. That I found out cost them 45 bucks just so they could get red ones. Oh, my God. Oh, my like, oh no. God. <laughs> they must have thought you were I, such a dick. Well, yeah. he said to me, you know what he said to me when it, when it was over? And I asked This guy must meeting, be good. He goes, He's I got to tell you something. <laughs> After the meeting, now that I know what you're like, I can tell you this. But when you sent that list of requirements, I kind of thought you're kind of a diva because I didn't know you. <laughs> I said, well, first of all, I was only kidding about the red M&Ms. I never thought you'd do it. <laughs> well, let me tell one story from advertise, Days of Advertising Past. We did a um, commercial with Dennis Rodman at the peak of his powers. And in order to get him to, to Baltimore to do it, we had to, like, charter a helicopter. I was actually not at the agency at the time, but I was working on the project. Wow. They had to charter a helicopter to pick him up in one city. <laughs> And dropped him off an airport, and he flew in. And I'm like, wow, that's really amazing. And the producer goes, uh, Pam Porter goes, yeah, but how sad is it going to be to him one day when people don't send helicopters for him anymore? Yeah. Because that day will come, you know? Probably already there. I was going to say. You don't see any more red M&Ms, do you, Jack? No. No, no, never again. Now, now, now everyone thinks I'm a diva. You know what I'm going to do? <laughs> has nothing to do with the red M&Ms. Oh, but let me tell you a story. Um, we, we did a spot with um, Evil Knievel, you know, the oh, oh, yeah. He's great. And um, one of his riders was when he got to the airport, he wanted to have a police motorcycle escort take him into the city. So the producer's like, you know, calls the police department and says, hey, we have a celebrity coming in. I was, we were wondering if you could send a police escort down to, you know, to pick him up and drive him into the city it and ride around his vehicle. Like and right they're on. like, and they're like, who do you think we are? We don't do that kind of stuff. <laughs> and they're like lambasting her. And they say, and who is this guy anyway? And she goes, it's evil Knievel. And they're like, okay, we'll be there. <laughs> this had him in the late 70s, right? No, no, this was, um, this was the 80s. This really? Because like he went a little right, nuts. 92. 70s wow. and the 80s, right? We really into evil Knievel back in the day. We were jumping all over everything. Okay, yeah. we got to rate this. We've gone on way longer than I expected. See, lovable movie. I knew it. Okay. I guess, okay. We'll start with Drew. Drew, yippee ki yay, yippee ki nay. Yippee ki yay. It's a funny movie. Nice. Uh, Whoa, Joe Brad. Yippee ki Sean, Debbie. Yippee, yippee ki yay. Jack. Yippee ki 11. Uh, <laughs> I say yippee ki yay. Great film. All right. Great film. Good job, Brad. Love it. I don't know if you guys yeah. noticed the Good call. black album I back did. here. Not an album, it's a laser it's not disc. black. Their album was all black. That was all black, I know, but they had yeah. to put that on. Otherwise, you can know. see a face in it. Uh, okay. <laughs> so next funny. week, John, Jack is bringing the movie next week, and he's been, we've been waiting the whole, whole podcast okay, to see so what he's going to bring. Here we go. So Ralph and I were talking about movies on our brother podcast, and I brought up Singing in the Rain. And I was like, should we do that one? I'm not really sure. Well, my niece, who I, I think is about 25, she watched it and she texted me and she says, if you guys do singing in the rain, 
I want to be on it because I absolutely love this movie. So I am picking Singing in the Rain. All right. So uh, <laughs> everyone, the- want, and I'm going to bring my niece on next week because she's uh, at that age, someone who loves this movie. I want her to tell me why. And I, I adore this movie. She can be the guest. Niece? 25. She's 25. I, I, I think great, she's 25. Great. So well, I'll, I'll, I'll let her be the guest director. Cause what's I, the, what's the movie called? Cause I've never seen that. <laughs> singing in, singing in the rain, singing in the rain with an <laughs> only, umbrella. only I, considered the single greatest musical, a Hollywood musical I, of all time. I, I wish Brad I, and I have I, never seen it. Yeah, I wish oh, I was uh, wait, you're, you're, no, can't no, wait for I, you to see it. I'm not wait, heard of it. What? <laughs> I'm I want to say sorry. one other thing. Wait, God, I forgot. Did you see the people freak out? I forgot. I saw Hamilton this week too. Oh, you saw Hamilton? I can't wait. Holy cow! There's no singing in the rain. Uh, we're going to do that next week, right? I don't have to think about yeah. that till next Hamilton Monday. Hamilton does have it. less rain. You're right about that. Uh, Hamilton, I saw on Disney Plus. Yeah, so Jonathan Goff playing King George in Hamilton is oh, that guy was great. Mind blowing. That's all I want to say. Before we we don't get Disney Plus. Oh, my God. Look it up on YouTube. It's on YouTube. What I think is so great about that, Hamilton, is I've seen the show. I feel very lucky to have seen the show. And I figure what's more boring than watching a video of a musical because you're not in the room, all that kind of stuff. It was so spectacularly well produced, edited. I guess they recorded two different live performances. And so they, they could get close-ups. Performance without the audience, so that they could. Get, and oh, and they you can see they edited it together. Acting, oh my God! Yeah, the yeah. Level of acting mm-hmm. that these people do is just—it's just an extraordinary. And, show. and the circuit. I don't know if it's if on stage. They had they, when you saw it on stage. They have that circular uh, turning turntable that's in the middle. Mm-hmm. That on television, some of the stuff they could do just added some depth that you wouldn't get if you're in the theater. Yeah. Yeah. And Jonathan Goff is spitting. Yeah, and he's doing yeah. his stuff. It's just the most phenomenal. And I love that guy from he's mine, mine hunter. I haven't oh, seen him. I know he's in Frozen. He does big Broadway guy. Blew me away. I just couldn't get over his performance in this thing. That's all I, I hope you say. feel the same way about Gene Kelly. I'll let you know next week. We'll have let you ever you seen? Know. I I don't think I have. That's all about backstage. Come on, you've right? seen that it, right? Debbie, Debbie. I think if you, I think it's my favorite movie, maybe. Debbie, Debbie Reynolds is in there. Is that Debbie that? Reynolds? No. Debbie, uh, Debbie Reynolds, Donald O'Connor. And it's all backstage stuff, right? Gene Hagen, who is incredible right. in it. Wait, wait, wait. There's two genes? How am I going to keep playing? <laughs> it's going to oh, be fun. Have you seen it, Drew? No, I've never seen it. Honestly. Oh, wow. I'm real. I'm I'm excited. Now I'm excited. I'm looking I'm forward excited. to it. I've never seen that. I've never seen It's a Wonderful Life, but that's oh. up in Jewish Baltimore. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually surprised you've never seen it because you've seen everything. I know. Now right? they did do Singing in the Rain. They do a musical version of Singing in the Rain and Clockwork Orange, though. I have seen yeah, that. Gene great. Kelly was not happy that. about that. That's not good. Gene Kelly was not happy that's about that. That's pretty brutal. Right. But all right. Well, next week, Singing okay. in the Rain. Be a happy week, I guess, huh? Woo! <laughs> and well, Julia's going to be a feel good movie. You guys are going to be smiling when you And, and you'll arrange, one. John, you'll arrange getting Julia on? Yes, I will. Okay. Absolutely. Excellent. Everybody else? And I think it was even on, I think the movie's on YouTube. If you want to watch it on YouTube, I seem to remember. Oh, really? Yeah, full version of it on YouTube. Colorized or is it black and white? But I would get, if you have the DVD, you want to see it. I think it's sitting on my DVD. Fabulous Technicolor. I do have the DVD. Is it in color? Oh. Yes. It's, yes, it's in color out. But Soderbergh did a black and white version. Well, I may turn the color off. When was it released? It was in the 50s, right? I think it was 56. Okay. I think it was 56. Yeah. Debbie and Sean, congrats on negative tests. Yeah, so yeah. happy. Very good. Made it through. Are you feeling good? We're glad to be alive. Made it through day. the Rona. 
Good Made for you. it through the Rona. Rona. Everybody else have a great week. We'll see you next week for Singing in the Rain. Great job tonight. Seriously, great job. I don't like that. Stop doing that. Everybody. Everybody. Great job. Bye, guys. See ya. Bye.